0: During my conversation with Laura Eigel, an amazing conversation, but she brought me back to a place that I wish I could forget. I was once identified as an up-and-coming leader. I was afforded the opportunity for coaching and sent to a leadership academy for which we engage in all kinds of activity, especially one that stood out with me. I was designated as a project manager to work with a team of people to resolve a problem very quickly. And we were working hard and getting close to a solution when then they said, you now need to move to another room. You will move to this other room with this new team and continue the work that you did to solve the problem. So, with that being laser focused as a leader, I was, I rolled up my sleeves, got down to work, and the team ultimately solved the problem. But this happened. One particular team member had their arms crossed and didn't contribute. So when we debriefed this opportunity, I was so taken aback because when we asked that team member that had folded their arms and didn't engage, I asked, what happened? And they said, you shut me down. He said, you came into the room like gangbusters trying to solve this issue, and I didn't understand where you were coming from, and you didn't even take the time to get to understand myself and where we were at. So, you shut me down. And such a minor thing that so many leaders make a mistake when they're laser focused on their talents. But it is sometimes the small things, the soft skills that experienced leaders need to focus on. And so, my conversation with Laura Igel, an executive leadership coach, points this out about coaches for leaders. It's not just for the bad stuff, but for helping to evolve those things that are small, but so critical your success. Let's listen. When people
1: say that they are getting a coach, usually they say, oh no, what did I do wrong? right. So we start from this place of, Oh, I'm not great. I'm not good at what I'm doing. Somebody has to help me be better at my job. And I would say that's kind of the opposite, especially that these big companies are investing in high potential talent, investing in leadership often is the approach of utilizing an executive coach, a leadership coach. There's a coach for everything these days, but within large corporations, What we find is that, you know, if you're investing in that talent, you often then accelerate that person's potential by pairing them with a coach. And so when we talk about executive coaching, leadership coaching, often I'm not really doing that coaching for performance kind of stuff. There's not this big turnaround to happen. It seems like little work, but it can be really big work for these leaders.
0: Welcome to the drop-in CEO podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you again for joining us on another episode of the podcast. And if this is your first time here, thank you again for finding us and joining us for an amazing conversation. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming because the drop-in CEO is about helping C-suite leaders take control of their businesses and their career. And so today I am honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Laura Eigel, PhD, is the founder of the Catch Group, an executive coaching practice and consultancy specializing in individual and organizational solutions to advance key talent within organizations. The Catch Group believes that more diversity and authenticity are needed in the top jobs at organizations, and the Catch Group's Values First coaching framework focuses on leading with values to create inclusive cultures through authentic leadership, and it is featured in her upcoming book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, releasing at April of 22. It is my pleasure, Laura, to welcome you onto the show. So I am too, and I'm grateful for the network. We were introduced to each other, and I was also on her amazing podcast. And I'll tell you, when I listened to the podcast, I felt like I was talking to my twin. We are so ingrained in ensuring that leaders of today and tomorrow have the skills they need to be able to do the purposeful work. So I am grateful to know you, and I want you now to share your journey with our listeners. And how did you arrive at this amazing work that you're doing now?
1: Well, thank you so much for that wonderful intro. And it's just my pleasure to be here in conversation with you. I loved having you on my podcast. And so I'm so excited to continue our conversation here. And so my story, I'm an organizational psychologist. I have my PhD in applied psychology. And I started my career journey um, right outside of grad school in consulting. I did that for a couple of years And then I found myself in corporate and worked my way up as an HR executive in consumer packaged goods at PepsiCo and Frito-Lay North America. And I got to work with some of the smartest people in the industry. I got to learn from them and I got to guide their careers. That was a big part of my job there. That's where I learned to be an executive coach. That's where I learned to teach people about how to build careers, to build critical experience, to show up um, as your authentic self. And I got to learn a lot about the business. I loved doing that with some of my favorite work, working with marketers, senior executives there, helping them build their careers, learning about how the strategic planning is done. How do you build talent you know, to, to make these bold moves to meet our goals? And then I got into the world of larger scale employee development programs. So I led that for PepsiCo commercial functions for several years. After that, I left PepsiCo to um, be the chief learning officer at YPO, which is a membership organization for CEOs and presidents, over 30,000 globally. And so I got to work with amazing talent and um, just amazing leaders across the globe in that global organization. And I did that for several years. And then the pandemic hit. Right, and so we completely changed our strategy. And I think, like everyone, it was a it was a point of reflection for me specifically. I was in the C suite as that chief learning officer, and the work that I was doing there was impactful work, but it felt very downstream to me. And um, you know, we would impact those leaders; those leaders would then impact their organizations, and then that would impact their employees. But what I was missing for me, was something that was aligned to my values, which was advocacy and that one-on-one growth and development. And when I thought about when I got that need met the most, that was really when I was doing that executive coaching. And I had still been doing some of that work pro bono as I was in this st- big strategic role, but I didn't get to you know, get my hands in on that because I was leading a, a big team. And so I missed it. And so that's when I decided to, in the middle of a pandemic, leave a big C-suite job and build my own company called The Catch Group, where we do believe that we need more authenticity and diversity in those top C-suite jobs. And that's, that's my mission, is to develop and continue to build leaders to show up as their authentic selves. Because what we model is the culture that we build. And I, I think there's a lot of that missing. I think we've seen a lot of great leadership through the pandemic, and we've seen a lot of companies and leaders falter. And so I am uh, excited to now kind of be in this new space as an entrepreneur, building my business, and just really align to this mission and vision. And for the first time, you know, building my my own content using my own framework, I've been developing leaders for my whole career, kind of using other people's content and frameworks There's such, there's so much great stuff out there. But where I found my passion is kind of this intersection of, you know, teaching people how to live a life and lead with their values, their authentic selves, and then also crafting that with their own learning journey. And that's been really special to me where I've really found that uh, that intersection has been, you know, what. Has motivated me to do what I'm doing now.
0: Okay, Laura, I can go in so many directions here, but you know, as I listen intently to you, first of all, I'm just totally immersing myself into what you're saying, and then I'm starting to say, "Ooh, wow, she's got an amazing background, amazing career. I mean, I have worked or interfaced with places like PepsiCo and frito Lay, and amazing companies, great people, and all the resources, so people like you and I can develop our craft, and so." I feel fortunate for having worked for larger corporations. They have set the foundation for us to do the work that we've done. What I really like, though, about the journey that you were on as well, because we'll go on and on about what do you see are the gaps or opportunities for C-suite leaders, but when you also said, I really, these are my words, get lit up by when we engage one-on-one with somebody and just ask either probing questions for self-discovery or push them to consider things they've never done before, and seeing them come out on the other side, sometimes in tears, because of those moments of realizing what they were and what they can be. It's an amazing feeling that I want to stay here a little bit, and then we're going to go into your framework, but I would love to know a quick story of somebody that you've had that opportunity to connect with deeply, and what was it like when they came out on the other side? Maybe a quick story around that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you just described like very well what that coaching experience can be like. I'll take a step back too, though, as we think about one-on-one coaching, I think often, and I saw this in corporate, when people say that they are getting a coach, usually they say, oh no, what did I do wrong? So we start from this place of Oh, I'm not great. I'm not good at what I'm doing. Somebody has to, you know, help me be better at my job. And I would say that's kind of the opposite, especially that these big companies are investing in high potential talent, investing in leadership often is the approach of utilizing an executive coach, a leadership coach. There's a coach for everything these days, but within um, large corporations, what we find is that, you know, if you're investing in that talent, you often then accelerate that person's potential by pairing them with a coach. And so when we talk about executive coaching, leadership coaching, often, I'm, you know, I'm not really doing that coaching for performance kind of stuff. I'm not trying to turn around a, a poor performer, What we're really doing here is setting intentional one-on-one time for a long-term coaching engagement, right? With that key talent that an organization might have. And so when I usually get paired with a person or when I, when I work with a company, usually it is that, you know, that top performer or somebody that they have a behavior that they're just trying to change. But this idea is that there's not this big turnaround to happen,
0: right? an evolution of what they're already great at or good at and make them great.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, it seems like little work, but that can be huge work too, right? It can be really big work for these leaders.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, if I could just reflect and maybe I'll get a little coaching right now is that these high performers are amazingly, amazingly good at getting things done. They may already have strong skills in being able to influence people. But sometimes they may realize it's just by brute force. They're just doing what they've been told to do. And that little extra that makes them takes them from good to great can be a place of self-reflection. Like, I haven't been my authentic self. I've been driving and pushing and trying to get results at the cost of X. And then sometimes if you find out, oh, that that little bit, that authenticity, I'm not true to my values. Maybe I don't have to work as hard. Maybe I could develop a few more people under me. I can enjoy the lifestyle I want and still get amazing results. Those little micro changes are amazing, but dramatic in the impact they can make on an individual.
1: On the individual and their team, right? We can talk about that all day. I know I could with you. Um, but you, let me go back to your, your original question. Laura, can you tell me a story about a leader that you coached? I'll tell you about, um, and I highlight this story in, in the book, uh, Values First. But I was coaching an executive named Mackenzie, and Mackenzie was already a high performer. She reached out to me because she was thinking about her current job and what she needed to do to be successful. You know, usually this starts with, hey, I got some feedback. (laughs) Okay, right? So she um, traditionally had worked for smaller companies, and her values were influence, Um, She wanted to be a part of the decision-making, right? She needed to be close to the context. So for her, it was really important to, you know, have that relationship with the board, the CEO, the senior leadership team. And so her company had recently got acquired and she had found herself in this bigger organization and she was uncomfortable. And we, we talked through it. We talked about her values. We talked about what was being met, what wasn't being met. And she came to me and she said, "You know, I did an exercise um, that was in the book, and it's this idea of auditing your values. So first, you have to understand what your values are." And and through our work together, we had identified that. And then she she audited her time, and she realized that her time, because she was in this bigger corporation now, her time that she was spending, she was spending time on all these cross-functional, different calls. She was in this, you know, strategic role for building long-term strategy. And she found herself now many layers deep into the organization and not super close to the, the decision makers now. And it felt like the influence was lost. So she would be on these calls, Deb, and she would wait for her turn to speak. And finally, within five minutes left, she finally got her airtime, right? But that was, that was kind of her day was being on some of these calls. And she didn't feel like she was being impactful. She didn't feel like she was able to influence. And we all know those calls, Right you're listening, you're trying to get your, your word in edgewise. Now it's a, a sea of squares on Zoom and you're trying to get visibility or you're trying to fight for, you know, airtime, right? And that just wasn't the impactful work that, that she was used to doing. And so after she had done that audit, she was like, I'm not spending my time. You know, there's always going to be meetings like that, but a, a, a big portion of her time was being spent on that. She said, it's funny, I just turned, a recruiter called me last week and I, you know, I, I turned down this job that they offered to me and I said, okay, well tell me more about it. She was like, it sounds like an amazing company and this culture and I would be, you know, really close to the board and it's a priority for this, the C-suite, even though she wouldn't be reporting right directly into the the C-suite. And I said, okay, well, that sounds amazing. That's in line with your values. She's like, yeah, it is. I said, well, why did you turn it down? And she said, well, because it was a lateral at a smaller company. And I said, well, well, that's interesting. Is that important to you? And she said, you know, I said, it's fine if it is, but is it is achievement title is that important to you? I was like, was the comp in line? She was like, oh no, they're going to pay me more money. I was like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> might it be something? Might it be something that we? think about. I said, I know you're really great at relationship building, Mackenzie. I bet you could, if you wanted to, you could probably reach back out to the recruiter, couldn't you? She was like, oh, of course. Like I I have a relationship with them now. I've been talking to them for a couple of weeks. And so she said, I'm gonna think about it before I do. I'm gonna think I'm gonna take the weekend. I said, yeah, just take the weekend. No harm, no foul, right? What's the worst that could happen? So she decided to call the recruiter back the next day or the the following Monday. And they were ecstatic to hear from her. They talked a bit more. They scoped out the job a bit more for her. They actually increased the comp, I think. And she decided to take that opportunity because she knew that she would get the opportunity to lead in the places that she needed to that were aligned to her values. And that was something that she wasn't she wasn't looking for a career change she she wanted at the time to have this critical experience at this job but at the at the end of the day she knew that she was going to be happier somewhere else the title ended up not mattering and so she's been with the company now for over 6 months and she's loving it
0: so this story resonates with me so much and you know our listeners get to listen to deb and laura talk about the trials and tribulations of our personal journey as well as impacting others. And I too, before I left my last corporate job, I had been contacted by a recruiter, but I had finally gotten the job, the title, the influence of my dreams. I decided to stay with and give it some time. It was the best decision, but also making the decision to leave is also noble based on values. And what I really love about your work is it's often we'll claim victim to the circumstance. And yes, circumstances change, acquisitions, new bosses, initiatives. The company is growing, for which sometimes we lose our confidence or we're a high performer that gets stuck. But what you talk about is what we can control is our reaction to the environment. And a key decision vehicle is what are our values. Because amidst all the chaos that's going on, trying to find yourself again, if you can make decisions on well, what are my values, what is in my control, it's really a guiding light for navigating some of these tricky situations. And it's a wonderful thing what you also shared about your client, Mackenzie, is the fact that she wants to be in the C-suite and recognizing the fact that you need to spend more time getting closer to those advocates or those people that are closer to the C-suite, whether you're in there or not, getting close to them to understand the decisions that are being made, the importance, what's going on over there, what's you know keeping you up at night. You start getting a picture of what it's like to be in the room. So when you get in the room, you have a little bit of context around what is it like to operate there and make those key decisions and have an area of influence. So I so, so love the work that you're doing and how it's impacted many people. But now let's get into the framework, the framework of your book. And I it made me smile too, because I too have a lot of experience and I created the CEO's Compass. It is a framework with eight compass points for which I've seen organizations thrive and potentially fail when they get off track. So tell us more a little bit about your work and the key key talking points within it, because I want people to get excited and reach out to your book. It's coming out in April of 2022.
1: Thank you so much, Deb.
0: So yeah, the... The framework that I use to coach and
1: to really make decisions that I've made for myself in my career and that I teach other executives within my coaching is called the values first framework. Like you said, it's this idea of first finding clarity of your values. That's the first step um, of this six step process. And, and that's really the, the, the key to it is if we can find clarity, I find that it, it sets the language, right? It gives us words to go back to, to reflect to, to say, you know, if this is something, if something's amiss, something I'm not fulfilled for some reason, I would, I would guess that it will align to your values. 99% of the time, either a need is not being met, something is not fulfilled, right? And so this is why it's such a, a key aspect to the framework and why it's called Values First is because because first, we need to understand what your values are, put a language around it. Next, I talked about how Mackenzie audited her time. That's the second part of the framework. It's really reviewing where you spend your time and seeing how that aligns to your values at home and at work. The next one is is life boundaries. And this is Being able to build boundaries. I like to say to kind of use boundaries as a way to wrap around your values. And so you're holding them very sacred. So, what are those things? That could be time management, that could be mental schemas that you hold in your mind, limiting beliefs that you need to get rid of, all of those kinds of things. And then the next part is uplifting others, how you are showcasing some of those boundaries to motivate your team, because I I equate um, authentic leadership to you living your values. So if you're doing that in the right way, you're modeling that you're uplifting others. You do that. You can also then utilize your values. in the next step, which is called experience and conflict. And that is where you can say, Hey, if I do have a miss, sometimes our, our conflict is even with the values that we hold for ourselves. So for me, I have a value of achievement and I also have a value of development. I also have a, family, a value of family. And so sometimes achievement uh, hits, I need to do, I'm delivering something for the business or I, at certain points in my life, achievements kind of overridden this value of family. And I have to say, Hey, is this out of whack? Or sometimes it's the opposite. And so sometimes our, our own values can be in conflict with each other. And so within the framework, we talk about how do you, how do you get through that conflict at different seasons of, of life. And then lastly, the last step is called sustaining values. And that's really being able to utilize self-reflection and understanding how our, our values are evolving, but then also how to very intentionally reflect on those, understand what needs to change, and then sustain your values for the long haul.
0: So again, smiling again as you share some of these things, because again, this is a moment for me just to take in your great insight. I love this framework because it's so actionable, whether people read your book or they don't, but I think they absolutely should. That thing about the, the conflict, because I too recently, and again, let's talk about on a personal note, I have some client work that isn't my work that gives me joy, but in the grand scheme of how does it set me up to be able to perpetuate the rest of my business, it's good income, and that I can continue to do the creative work and develop other parts of my business for the long term. So in the moment, personally, I felt a little conflicted because it wasn't the best that I could offer, but it was good enough to allow me to do other things. So I was able to you know, resolve those conflicts internally. So love the framework. Yeah, <laughs> so many people can benefit from it.
1: Yeah. I love that example that you just gave you know that you just described the type of work that you like to do. And that I bet aligns with some of your core values. So I would ask like that work that you love, what value do you think that aligns to for you?
0: Well, it's the uplifting others. And so people don't have to struggle as much because that is the whole purpose behind the drop in CEO brand. It's, you know, dropping into an organization's resolving the business issue for which my subject matter expertise is celebrated, but the true work, the purposeful work is then uplifting the people, giving them new skills and confidence along the way, because that's what's going to sustain. So my joyous work is when I have the opportunity through my C-Suite Academy, the book, the podcast, any opportunity to get people to think differently and get unstuck and be able to move forward. That's the work I continue to evolve while I work in businesses to help them with their technical things. So I know that's where I'm going and shifting. So I can do more of the work that fulfills my values, but all of it does, but it's a spectrum and it continues to evolve.
1: Yeah. And I love that you are a perfect example of a tenured executive that knows what they want to do, but guess what? You can do a lot of things. You excel at a lot of things. You can do all of those technical things, but where your heart is, you know, I think that I think that's just very analogous to, to so many leaders out there. Like sometimes they get overburdened with so many things, especially women leaders, because they know that they can impact it. So if they see a conflict over here or they see work not happening over there, they sometimes think I can do that or I can help resolve it. Right. But it might not be theirs to resolve it might not be theirs to prioritize and i see that a lot as you know the the higher women reach the harder it is sometimes to say no to some of these things because we're pleasing or we're trying to to show that we can do it all right and so sometimes the work that we want to do, we need to lean, we need to lean more into it. But to your point, we can't always do it at the perfect time. So what I would say to that is you're a a perfect example of this idea of values and conflict. Sometimes the work that we can do helps us do more of the work that we love to do.
0: To add on to that, and you talk about one of your second points is doing the time audit. I was also auditing because I was feeling overwhelmed because I want to do I want to change I want to do everything for everybody. Again, that's just nature because you get so such joy from being able to positively impact it. But similarly, I did an inventory recently, and my husband will let you know that I was stretched too thin. I was doing things in some of my community activities for which I no longer had joy. And I said, I've got to pull out. Nobody did anything wrong, but I just can't do it because you know what? Spending a little time with my husband in the evenings, maybe watching a movie on Netflix. I may still be working a little bit, but I'd rather be doing that rather than sweating over something that becomes something I procrastinate on and then I dread. I still work hard 12, 14 hours a day most days, but now I love the work that I'm doing and I'm seeing the impact. And it's based on your work of doing that time inventory. That's so powerful.
1: And you just very very well described one of the traps and red flags that I highlight in the life boundaries section. If there's something that you used to do, maybe the community work that you just mentioned, you used to maybe love it, but maybe now you're finding yourself dreading it or just not as passionate about it. That could be a red flag of, Hey, I need to reevaluate how I'm spending my time and putting up even more boundaries. And what I find is that the higher we get in our careers, the more ruthless we have to be with our boundaries. We have to, because there's so many things that can come, come in and take the, that time away. And so that feeling, right? That feeling of, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this thing anymore. <laughs> That's the feeling that I, I want people to pay attention to.
0: That's huge. It's really, really huge. That's one of the reasons why I did separate from my last job. It wasn't feeling good anymore. There was nothing I could do to calm down and relax. It just got overwhelming. But enough about me. I want to come back to you because I also want to bring this to a personal note. So kudos to you for writing a book. Can't wait to read it. But also what's important is for you just to share a little bit about yourself personally. Why did you write the book? And was there anything you learned about yourself in the process of putting that work out into the world?
1: I love this question. Uh, initially, I wrote the book to scale it, to scale this methodology. I love, that was something that I loved doing in my corporate work is to scale things to make the biggest impact. And I do that in a couple of ways now, in addition, just to make the content accessible. So I do that through my podcast, You Belong in the C-Suite, because I talk about some of these topics. But I wanted to make even more of like the worksheets and the ideas and the stories, because I can't work with everybody, right? I don't have enough time in the day. And then, you know, I'm not going to be able to teach everybody. And so I wanted to, to be able to scale some of that thought leadership. So that was one of the reasons that I, that I started this journey. Um, and it's funny the when I, I was just talking to my book coach because I'm, I'm a, a, le- a lifelong learner. And I know that for myself, I also knew to coach, right?
0: I had one too to write yeah. my book.
1: Mm-hmm. So through this process, I had a book coach um, named Lauren. She's amazing. And I remember this conversation really well. She was like, okay, what do you want this process to be like? And what do you not want it to be like? And I told her, I do not want to have this book to be about me. I only want it to be about the content and about other people's experience with it. And she was like, okay, all right, sure. And then, Deb, what did this book ended up being about? Of course, it, is, it has my career all in it. Of course, it does. <laughs> Because as I was writing it, I realized, you know, this is, this is, this process works because this is how I've led and how I've built my own career. Like, absolutely. Of course it is. So of course the book is going to have stories about me in it. And ultimately it probably has more stories about me than anybody else in it. So so that's what I, I learn from example. And so I teach with examples, whether that's examples of people that I've coached or myself. And so throughout the book, it has stories about me and different points of my career when I was a consultant in gradu- or in graduate school or you know early career versus later career all the way into building that company.
0: So what you just said actually is one of the reasons why we write and put our content out in the world and you talked about it early on, is values and authenticity. Authenticity is about putting yourself out there because people relate and buy from other people. And you can put a framework, you could put this in a PowerPoint, do A, B, C, X, Y, and Z. People, that won't be memorable, but what they'll remember are the stories that you had to go through to say, oh, she knows what it's like. I've been her, she's been me. And then hear what you learned along the way. And they'll busily make note of, oh, if it worked for her, if it worked for her clients or people that she's worked with, it must work. And so it's really about building a connection and a relationship with the reader. And when they trust you, they'll go back and read through and use your worksheets to apply to their situation or call you in to help serve them in the capacity that they need you to. So amazing.
1: I know, I, I completely agree. And it's funny because how was I going to write a, a book about showing up as your authentic self without being my authentic self. Of course I was, of course. That was my naive, introverted mind thinking before I started writing the book. And as, uh, and as soon as I started actually writing it, you know, fingers to keyboard, the thing that poured out of it was, you know, the, the lessons that I've learned are, around my own career. And as an introvert, it is kind of terrifying that it's out there <laughs> as well. But, you know, these stories, you know, if you ask anybody that's ever reported to me in my career, I hope that they would say, "Oh my goodness, this this is Laura, this is how she led us. This is how she leads." And so i I know that the book is uh, truly a reflection of my authentic leadership.
0: So I want to wish you congratulations in advance for putting yourself out there and wishing you success with the book, Laura's book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want. So we're going to bring this to a close, Laura. Are there any last points or things that you want to share with our audience? Because I want them to connect with you and learn more about your work.
1: I would love for for folks to, to connect with me. So you can do that on LinkedIn you can go to my website thecatchgroup.com and then you can get more information at about the book at thecatchgroup.com slash values first and would love to connect with others and hope that hope that they can gain just a little bit of insight to apply because all of this love the idea of of people reading the book but I'm most interested in people applying something so that they can live a more fulfilled life.
0: So this has been an amazing conversation for me and I sincerely appreciate you coming on my podcast after having me on yours as well. There are so many people out there to help and if I can also help the audience, dropinceo.com is my website. You'll find my resources, the book, the CEO's Compass, my blog, my podcast, my interview with Laura. Laura, it has been an honor to interview you and have the conversation with you and I do wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, The CEO's Compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about The CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead inspire and achieve your goals.